Welcome to Adequate Yearly Progress, Episode 9. My name is Erin Sterling, and I'm the librarian at Eckstein Middle School in Seattle, Washington. Every episode, I interview a different teacher and find out why they became a teacher and what they like about it and what they don't like about it. In this episode, I interviewed Linda Rieger, who retired from teaching deaf and hard of hearing students at a public school in Connecticut. I met Linda through a fellow teacher of mine and felt incredibly fortunate that we were able to meet up while she was visiting Seattle. Linda was a warm, compassionate person who, like many teachers I've talked to who have had years of experience in public education, was also humble about the ways she's had an impact on students over the years. Listen to her talk about her decision to work in public schools after studying speech pathology and audiology, the ways in which new technologies for kids who are deaf and hard of hearing change over the years, and what it was like to co-teach at a time when co-teaching was still relatively new. All right, let's go. Hi, Linda. I'm glad you're on my show. For everyone listening, this is Linda Rieger. She is a retired teacher and has taught at a bunch of different places, and I'm just meeting her for the first time, so I'm really excited about this show. Linda, could you tell me about yourself and why you became a teacher, and also kind of what your experience has been? Um, I am a teacher of the deaf and hearing impaired. I have an undergraduate degree in speech pathology and audiology. And at the time, 1973, Mm -hmm. that I received my degree, Speech pathologists at that time were only doing articulation therapy. Okay. And I was quite bored doing shh, t, k, p. Okay. And I was looking for um, something that would satisfy me more. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent my summer volunteering at a preschool program for deaf and hearing impaired students and fell in love and decided okay. to get my master's degree in deaf education. Great. And were you... Have you taught at all different levels? Um, I have. I'm certified to teach from uh, pre-K all the way up to 12th grade. And in my career of 36 years and more, I have taught all of those levels. Wow, that's great. And what what did you like about being a teacher? Or what did you find rewarding? Um, I love working with students. And I found... The most enjoyable time is when you see the light goes off in that child's mm-hmm. uh, mind and you know that he is actually or she has actually uh, understood the concept you're trying to teach. Mm-hmm. So did you, when you worked with kids, um, were you specifically working with kids who were deaf and hard of hearing the entire time or did you have classrooms where it was a mix or? Well, both. Um, I started my career working in an elementary school, Mm -hmm. and I would have one class period during the day when all of my students would be Mm -hmm. with me, and then other classroom and other periods during the day when I would go into the classroom, and at that time it was called team teaching, Mm -hmm. I would team teach with um, the classroom teacher. Was there a particular grade or age level that you liked the most? Or if you were to go and do more that you would choose? I guess I prefer elementary and high school. Okay. To To middle school. (laughs) (laughs) What about those grades appealed to you? I I just enjoyed elementary so much. Um, I found it fun. Mm Mm-hmm. In high school, to me, was um, interesting. It was fascinating to see what was going on and um, help the students make the social transaction mm-hmm. transition into high school. Right. What did you notice changed 
in teaching over your years of teaching? Or were there um, specific kind of points or well, marketed times? Um, certainly what has changed is data keeping. Mm. Um, we True. weren't so focused on data as we are now. Mm-hmm. I sometimes felt that I spent more of my time <clears throat> taking data than teaching students. Mm. And I was very frustrated yeah. um, with that. Um, I think that's the biggest change. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some personal opinions about new programs that keep mm. coming in and circling back around. I think there should be various approaches mm-hmm. to teaching students, and you shouldn't be keyholed into only one approach. Right. Did you find any, when you were teaching, were there any support mechanisms that were in place that really helped? So was it peer contact with colleagues who were doing similar work or support from administration? When I I started, um, having a teacher of the deaf in a public school was very new. Principals didn't really know what to do to me or what to do with me or how to uh, accept me or what my role was. Um, In the state of Connecticut, there were very few of us. And in fact, I was one of the founding members of an organization Um, called Connecticut Educators of the Hearing Impaired. And what we did was we reached out to other um, teachers in the Mm -hmm. same position, and we started a support group. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. For specifically teachers of the deaf and hard of hearing. Yes. And did you see a change in kind of acceptance of deaf culture? So personally, I've um, been interested in kind of deaf culture and what has come out of it, and I was uh, curious if... You were part of that at all, or if you, I mean, not part of it as... Um, I'm knowledgeable. Part. There's okay. a very uh, big difference between deaf, deaf culture... Right, right. ...and uh, those who consider themselves hearing impaired or oral deaf. Right. Um, and deaf culture does not believe that any of that twain shall meet. Yeah. Um so I'm not so sure what your question is. Oh, is, is <laughs> um, I guess. That. Well, were you? Do you? Did you use sign language and um, and also speech therapy combined? Yes. Or yes. I guess just more about kind of how how Technique. you taught and and what I've read more. about teaching deaf and hard of hearing people yeah. is that there is this tension between, especially for if you are hearing, for how to teach students how to embrace what they have that there, also there is tension if uh and what i what i found during my teaching only if your student came from deaf parents okay uh during my teaching most of the students that were in public schools had parents who wanted them to be oral okay so there wasn't a lot of conflict mm-hmm. um i have many uh friends who are deaf and deaf live in deaf culture yep so i am fully aware of the conflict but mm-hmm. my students um mostly were uh the goal was to make them oral to make them oral okay um, but not not to the deficit of not having sign i mean we did sign mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, so you were kind of the, using both and focus on communication. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was talking with a friend who is a speech pathologist now, and she was talking about that. There's this natural tension between because you're focusing on communication. Yeah, and, there is. There is um, definitely. And also that it's really there's sort of the second language um, 
that students are facing. And so, um, it is if that. they come from if deaf they come parents from deaf parents who yeah. sign. If they come from oral parents who don't use sign, then right, you know, depends on the situation. What was frustrating to you about teaching? Besides, I think you mentioned data collection and that there was ever more data collection. In the beginning of my career, truthfully, I think I found administration very frustrating mm. because they didn't truthfully know what to do with me mm-hmm. and what my role was. And I was teaching them what my role was as right. well as teaching the classroom teacher what my role was <laughs> all at once. All when you first started. All when I first started. Um, and when I, you know, and when I first started, um, having two teachers in a classroom was new. Right. Um, having a special educator, which is what they classified me mm-hmm. as, in the classroom with a regular teacher was new. Uh, give and take between the classroom teacher, I wasn't there only to teach those special needs kids. I right. was there to teach the whole classroom. It's a total different philosophy, and I had to, hopefully, the teacher would buy into my philosophy mm-hmm. because it benefited so, everybody. So when you when you were hired, was that a new, was team teaching New. Very so, new. So did the teachers you teach with, had they kind of signed up? Like, were they enthusiastic or did it really just vary? Well, it varied. Um, some were very willing to work with me. Others were assigned to work with mm-hmm. me. Others um, um, resented the fact that mm. I was in their classroom. Um, teachers are very protective of their own <laughs> classroom. Yes. And... Um, I had to prove that I was their equal. And mm-hmm. once they accepted me for their equal and I was willing to take on all of the burdens that a classroom teacher took on, mm-hmm. um, there yeah. were no problems. Okay. And how how did you go about doing that? Or were there So I'm thinking of people who might be thinking of going into teaching. And now at yeah. our school, we have co-teachers. Um, and I think there's still some of that struggle of... You have your own classroom, but really working. Yeah, well, with the in other the beginning, person. it was uh, very simple things. For instance, uh, I will be ha- very happy to take this reading group mm-hmm. if you will take that reading group with my student in it, because my student right. needs to learn to lip read you and needs to learn to listen to you, not mm-hmm. me. Yep. Uh, to anticipate what what your needs are mm-hmm. and what your wants are. And um, I corrected papers, I did yeah. tests, I did all the nitty-gritty <laughs> all the work that was needed to be done. And, you know, then they were more than willing to accept yeah. me as a regular teacher, mm-hmm. you know, and then realized how helpful it was to have two teachers in the classroom. Right, right. Yeah. Um, were there any early challenges or ongoing challenges besides kind of the team teaching aspect? Were there other, when you first started, um, or maybe when you switched jobs? Well, I think parent communication is always a challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, I think having parents buy into what you're trying to do for their student. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've worked with parents who are heavily involved and some who are not involved in the least. Um, many of my students' parents have become my friends. Um, mm-hmm. I have a, or had, a student who, um, on his college essay, the question was, what is the most, who's the one person who has influenced you the most? Right. And he chose to write about me, oh. which I felt was such an honor. What That is an honor. Such an honor. And, um, wow. That's powerful. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
were so the, that kind of actually goes right into my next question because our what moments can you pinpoint that made you feel like you were in the right place doing the right thing oh well that was certainly one um that student invited me to his wedding wow <laughs> um i had a student who was and i can't remember where the student was from but um the student was from another country and literally had no language and no skills and spent this was in elementary school and spent most of the day underneath the table okay um so for me to coax him out from the table and have him sit in a circle with me i felt was progress and just as i had felt we were making excellent progress he disappeared oh so that was one of the heartbreaking of, of teaching yeah. Um, but most of my students, I really developed a wonderful relationship with. Mm-hmm. Um, and as they grew older, they began to push me more and more away, which mm. I really felt was success. Normal. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> kind of what you hope. <laughs> you don't need me anymore. You're comfortable, you know, in a, in a hearing world and right. you're doing perfectly fine. So, um, you know, that to me was showed success yeah yeah um what what suggestions would you have for people who want to develop those kind of relationships with students where the the ones where they do come back to you and they um and you feel like you're pushing them i think i might have to think about that (laughs) okay that sounds good yes I, i think it's sometimes hard for people who uh yeah have developed that to think of what the things you actually did um well, maybe we'll come back to it. And if you have, if you have anything, well, I just think it also has to do with my, with my personality. That's yeah. the type of person I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm all in. Yeah, <laughs> for the student. And part of why I ask it is, I think now there's a lot of research that's come out about like s- the importance of social and emotional growth. Um, teaching that, and I think it's something that's sometimes hard to put down. As and, and this was before the time that schools were responsible for teaching those skills. Right. And that was part of my curriculum, to teach right. those skills. Right. Well, that's why it's so fun. Yeah. It's so interesting talking to you because some of the stuff that you're mentioning right now are things that we're getting training on and that have really come out of probably teachers like you and people around who have noticed these, and then researchers, I guess, that have um, collected information about, just about how important that is, the kind of like relation relationship aspect and mentor aspect to teaching aside from just teaching what they need to know the actual right, facts it's not all about academics right right um do you have any particular lesson plans that you like distinctly remember for either having gone really well or or for failing um no i'm sorry i don't because um later in my career Mm -hmm. as i explained to you in the beginning of my career there was one period a day where i had all my students together right and even in in high school there was one period a day when i had all my students together and we would do um we would do a whole uh curriculum on deaf culture Mm -hmm. we would um read books by deaf authors Mm -hmm. or books about deafness mm-hmm. um, by individuals 
um, and talk about some of that. Mm. And um, it was interesting, the reactions from some of my students, and Mm. it depended on their hearing loss. If they had a mild loss, they had no interest in what I was talking about because they were part of the hearing world. There was nothing Right, didn't apply to them. them. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, for those students who who were living between two worlds. It right. was very interesting. So each student with a hearing loss is really an individual, and that's yeah. what's most important to remember. Right. Um, and, you know, the amount of language they have um, depends on when they lost their hearing, how mm-hmm. much language they had before. And so there's not a blanket statement that right. I, that, that I could So, so there say. wasn't like a particular lesson, you know, because so you were doing things differently all the time to reach different yeah, students kind were, of. There were some, but... Um, and did you notice technology? Oh, like, I'm assuming the technology just changed must have changed the, continuing. Don't when I started, there were no cochlear implants. Right, <laughs> right. Ended, there were, you know, I was teaching students with cochlear implants. So the technology um, was amazing, not only in the field of uh, deaf education, mm-hmm. but I'm also trained in the field of augmentative communication. And oh. so... Um, Could you talk a little bit about that and <laughs> what, that, what that means? Um, uh, augmentative communication is using technology to communicate. Okay. Yep. That's really what it is. And um, I, um, I'm also certified as a special ed teacher and right. so I worked with severely severely disabled students who used a um, a computer which mm-hmm. looked nothing like <laughs> your iPad or your laptop now um, to communicate uh, uh-huh. with uh, pictures and, and icons and things like that yeah so and how did you stay up to date with um, kind of the new the new technology because uh, it seems like that and, and research and workshops and okay. yeah the same way every other teacher right, the, I hope stays up to date yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what advice do you have to people who are thinking of pursuing teaching as a career and also who are maybe specifically interested in either speech pathology speech language pathology or um, or special education um, I think you have to really have a passion. Uh, not all of special education is fun and games. Mm-hmm. Um, there's um, a lot of things about it that you probably would choose not to do. No. But, I, you know, you have to believe that every child has something to give. Right. And if you don't, then I don't believe you should be in teaching. Yeah, <laughs> that's profession. true. <laughs> uh, did you ever think of leaving teaching for another for another profession? profession? Mm-hmm. No, not really. Yeah. <laughs> and no, I think I, I really have been pleased uh, with my career. Um, yeah, that's great. I've done something that has made me happy. Yeah. And what what are you currently excited about in your life that could be related to teaching or... Um, um, like, do you, do you stay connected? Did you have a hard time retiring? or t- Yeah. Did I have time? No. Um, I retired at a time in my life when it was the right thing to do. Okay. Um, there were a number of reasons, um, but it was the right thing to do. And yes, I still sub. Uh, okay. I, I still do some consultation. Yeah. Um, and that's been nice. Yeah. Um, 
Do you tend to sub uh, for I any sub, sort of jobs, or do no, you no, specifically no. I sub? Only okay. sub? I only sub for a teacher of the deaf. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I have a, I've had a working um, relationship with a um, school system in back in Connecticut, and they have a teacher of the deaf on staff, and I sub only for that person. Okay. Yeah. Um, and kind of wrapping up, uh, our... You've, and you've mentioned it a little bit, and this is where things ebb and flow, but are there any students, other students in your mind who, you mentioned the student who invited you to his wedding. Um, are there any other students that stand out in your mind? Oh, a number of them. Um, I've had a number of them who have uh, kept in contact, or the parents who have kept in contact with me mm-hmm. um, for a while, you know, mm-hmm. and then it, it fades it fades out there. Um This would be, I'm trying to remember when the student graduated, probably eight yeah. years ago. Okay. You know, and so by the, that time, they have other things to do with their <laughs> lives. You know, um, so do I have really close relationships with any students still? No. Right. Yeah, I imagine that would just be hard in general because they move on to their own lives. <laughs> right. They move on. They move on. And I get Right, yeah. Well, um, that's great. I think that's the questions that I have. And I really appreciate talking to you um, and hearing your experience and being willing to be interviewed. So uh, Jess showed me some of what you've done. I think it's a wonderful project. Well, thank you. It's really it's been really fun for me. It's a kind of fun personal project, but hearing everyone's stories and um, do you intend to do something great. further with it? Um, at this point, I intend to use it kind of it's a way for me to actually just get to know what people have done. Um, I would like to do podcasting with students at some point. Uh, and so that was one of the initial goals of starting this project. Uh, the second one being just kind of a personal one of, I think it's, I think it's important to hear that teachers are people um, because sometimes I, I think the media can tend to focus on kind of the heroes or the villains in education. And so that was kind of the personal interest. So at this point, I'm just wanting it to go on because I have really enjoyed doing it. I think so it's a we'll wonderful see. idea. Wonderful. Well, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. That's the end of my show. Thanks for listening. You can find future episodes on adequateyearlyprogress.com iTunes, and hopefully soon the Microsoft Podcast app. Thanks to the band Inspira's song, Follow the Waves, for the upbeat music you are dancing to right now. Thanks to freesound.org for the Creative Commons license for user S-B-Y-A-N-D-I-J-I's alarm bell sound, user Totia's Yeah sound, and user Mental Sanity Off for the background chatter sound. Thanks for listening, and talk to you next on January 25th.